Hey everyone, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, CodeMagic. CodeMagic is a Flutter developer's favorite continuous integration and delivery tool. It's super easy to get started and they have really awesome documentation. People love that CodeMagic supports mobile, web, and desktop and makes code signing and publishing your applications just really, really easy. Recently, CodeMagic has included M1 Max in their free tier and also lowered their prices. It's definitely worth considering if you're looking for a CI/CD tool for your next Flutter project. So go ahead and check them out at CodeMagic.io. That's C-O-D-E-M-A-G-I-C.io. Hello, welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Waima. Today I'm with GM Franco Papa, who is the CTO of Somnio Systems, based out of Uruguay, I believe, right? Yeah, Uruguay. Somnio Software. Yes, some new software. Welcome. Yeah, I mean it's good. You were you actually messaged me about like I think a month ago or so, talking about you wanted to come onto the show, and we finally found a good topic for us to bring you on, which is all about Dart Frog, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I remember we we were talking and discussing interesting topics about Flutter, uh, and and yeah, we finally are talking about Dart Frog, which is a really hot topic in in the Flutter community right now. I haven't heard many people talking about it. I've heard a couple of people, but not not too many. People are still kind of sticking to Flutter itself, from what I can yeah. I can see at least. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I guess it will be really important in the future because we we are seeing like a lot of backend mainly possibilities, not only frameworks but possibilities in Dart. So I guess that it will be like really important probably in the next year when we start like getting used to working with Dart in the backend, right? So yeah, maybe it's not like so relevant right now, but I, I see that it could be really important to try to invest some time in try to uh, test these tools that we have available and try to figure out if it makes sense to start migrating to not only focus on Dart on Flutter, which is awesome, but also try to uh, bet on the full stack of Dart, right? Let's kind of roll back a bit, right? Because you actually have a very long history with Flutter is what you were telling me before. When did you actually start getting into Flutter yourself? Yeah, that's that's uh, yeah, great point. We, we were discussing like, okay, so here at my company, we work with Flutter since the beta release. So basically, um, if we go back like a long time ago, I started working with Flutter um, like uh, since the very beginning because I, I was working... Uh, with uh, native technologies and uh, it's kind of I don't want to repeat the, the, the all of the pains that we that every native developer had but in Flutter I found like a good technology that uh, allowed me to be really basically really efficient with my time and also I, I found like the performance that I was trying to have at that time right because I tested at that time React Native I, I wasn't like fully happy with the technology. Uh, so yeah, then when we started the company, we started working with many technologies, but we, as we noticed that that didn't scale because we needed to have every best practices of every technology. So we started working with Flutter because we saw at that moment uh, a really a technology that could allow us to work on any platform. At that time, it was only mobile, but now nowadays we work with, with mobile and web, and we are trying to incorporate also to desktop projects. And yeah, we, we started like uh, specializing on, on that technology. So I guess that we have all of the history that was happening throughout the years, right? 
Uh, we were migrating all of our projects to, I don't know, Flutter 2.0 when it was released. And nowadays, like, to Flutter 3.0. So, so yeah, it was kind of fun with, because we were learning uh, with the technology. All of the, the decisions, all of the libraries that were, like, appearing, like the whole blog versus provider and then Riverpool and, and so on. So we were learning with the technology itself. So it was a fun journey so far. So when you, how did you guys first hear about Flutter to begin with? So you started using Flutter like when you started your consulting company, is that right? Yeah, it, it was uh, almost at the same time, but uh, it was really kind of like looking for technologies uh, that could like cross, cross-platform technologies. And we we searched and we, we started trying Flutter really early. So we didn't know even like if, if it was becoming a thing. It was like on 2018. So really, really early. And then uh, we started getting more information about Flutter. And uh, I think that the breaking point here was when we decided to test this uh, technology, Flutter, with a real client because at the moment we were like basically experimenting in um, some um, not not easy projects. There were difficult projects, but there were like internal projects. It was like uh, building a product that then the product uh, didn't succeed. But uh, betting with a real client it was important because um, I mean uh, if we fail, uh, it, it won't be like. Uh, a good image for us because we were working with real clients. So whenever we started working with with that client, we realized that this technology is like, at least for us, uh, was like uh, something that could be sell and that um, the client itself was really happy. So that's that was like uh, uh, maybe uh, 2019. And then we decided to fully focus on Flutter because of that, because uh, we weren't able to uh, apply all of the best practices across all of the technologies that we were using. We were using like also React, Node.js, and a couple of other technologies. Uh, we started migrating uh, the whole team to only Flutter. And uh, yeah, that was a really good decision because we uh, started incorporating all of the best practices in Flutter. And, and from now, uh, from that moment to now, like we are using only Flutter. But how did Flutter come underneath your radar, right? How did they pop up? Was it on Hacker News or, you know, how did it come up in your... Yeah, I, I, if, I if I had to be honest, uh, I really don't know the exact moment. I, I remember that, as I told you, I was working with native technologies, uh, uh, Android and iOS. And especially I was focusing on iOS. And I have the the problem that basically whenever I, I, I needed to make updates, I didn't have like the hot reload that we uh, normally use in Flutter. So I guess it was like scrolling in the internet that I downloaded by literally accident uh, the beta release of Flutter. And I started playing around. Uh, I couldn't believe like what, what was happening. Like I was able to mainly see all the changes that I, I, I was doing in the in Dart almost at real time. It, it was like I was also back then working with uh, web technologies and the whole working with web is like you write code and you see it instantly, right? Um, it's like 
the wage code, uh, I think. So uh, by doing that in Flutter, uh, I was really excited. And that was the, the moment I, I, I realized it had potential. I mean, it was different from what I was experienced with, with native technologies. Uh, and yeah, then we, we started like getting more information and we realized that it was backed by Google and, and all that. So it was almost by merely accident and searching in, in, in turn. But it wasn't like um, a really thought process. Okay, I see this article in the internet and I'm going to test the tool. It was like I, I got the tool and I tested Okay, maybe we can start getting over to Dart Frog, right? So you you guys are mainly focusing on Flutter work, right? But Dart Frog, it's definitely not a Flutter thing, right? Yeah, it's a Dart thing, right? So the only commonality is the same language, but it's not. To me, when I program in Flutter and if I program with Dart, I feel like they're two different things, even though they're not. But like the way you program is, I feel it's quite different because it's much more. You know, you're, you're looking at the design, right? As opposed to when you're programming, you're looking at the architecture, the style, et cetera, uh, at first glance, I think. So yeah. how did you hear about Dart Frog and what were your first impressions of it? Okay, so maybe, yeah, I can go back to, to a question like why we are talking about Dart Frog and because we are specializing in Flutter, right? And we are talking about a dark, a dark uh, backend framework. So basically, I mean, even though we specialize in Flutter, we realize, okay, uh, every app nowadays needs uh, a backend, right? We, we can't ex escape and, and do only front-end development because uh, like every app needs to connect to, to cloud, right? We, we only experienced one, one single app that uh, didn't have to connect to, to a backend because it was full, uh, it was really specific and we embed a database in, in, in the app, but that doesn't scale for many apps, right? So, so basically we are, um, we need to have knowledge of backend alternatives. Nowadays, like the, the whole team also specialize in Firebase, which is a backend as a service. So um, we also know like this service to interact with different uh, things that might be more backend, and also in some cases we write uh, cloud functions with TypeScript. So I mean, we we put a, uh, our, ourselves as Flutter experts, but we also provide like backend solutions, right? And we also use the whole GCP ecosystem. So uh, what I'm trying to say is like, okay, uh, what would be like uh, the best for uh, both work for us, like to start writing more of the cloud functions that we write, write uh, currently in TypeScript, in Dart, for example. And in the case of these frameworks, uh, I see that uh, we can quickly start migrating to a full stack Dart solution. So we only manage one uh, language uh, at the end of the day. So that's why we initially started uh, seeing alternatives such as Dartfrog. Uh, mainly because of the language, because we found ourselves like writing uh, backend code. Uh, in this case, like really cloud functions. Uh, but but yeah, we aim to have everything. Why not in in Dart, right? And manage a single language. Uh, that I think is the ultimately. Uh, I mean, because as I as I explained, we also work with 
uh, other teams in the staffing modality. So we also have knowledge on GraphQL or gRPC or REST APIs. Uh, but the all of the pains we'll have, um, I mean, one of the pains we normally experience as front-end developers is syncing up both teams. Uh, not only the teams, also uh, there's a real um, uh, whole... I mean, if you start reusing as much as code as possible between the whole, the, the both teams, uh, front end and back end, that will be really useful. In this case, uh, if you invest time on working on Darkrock, you will be having the same language and reusing the same models. So that will be really efficient. I mean, there are other alternatives that do that. Uh, I name it, for example, gRPC. But yeah, we, we started like investing more time in, in understanding this tool for that because maybe in the future we, we will have a real project with our frog and a REST API and we will be able to reuse uh, as much as code as possible and not define like the models in the back end and then synchronize the team of the front end. Okay, these are the models and whenever it change that affects the, the front end, the normal pains that every front end team has, right? Yeah, I, I see what you mean. I always hear the argument about, okay, we should always use Node.js because, you know, uh, we're going to be writing a front end with some type of JavaScript technology because obviously that's the only language that runs natively on the front end. And then so they just say Node.js, we can keep it simple that way, right? Do you really think that's actually a benefit to use the same language in front and back? I mean, the because there's some things you can do in the back and you cannot do in the front and vice versa. So yes, you can share some things between the two, but at the same time, you may be getting confused about what you can do where, no? Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's always depend on, on, on the project, right? Uh, I mean, there are certain types of languages that are better suited for backend. Than, I mean, you, you don't have to force the language. You have to find the, the correct architecture and the languages that are more, more suited for, for the problem that you are trying to solve. But I mean, in most of the project we work, that will be a, a real benefit because uh, yeah, all the, the developers already know, like uh, because they know Flutter, they know Dart, and if they have knowledge about backend uh, development, it will be really a benefit to start sharing everything in a in the same code in the same language, right? So so yeah, I, I see a, a real benefit about that because you know how to repeat. Uh, especially the models uh, and, the, and the whole thinking uh, behind defining all the models and you just do it in, in one place. And, and yeah, I mean, if we go uh, for a full stack up with Flutter and Darkfrog in this case, uh, you will be able to reuse a lot of things, right? And, and all of the developers will know, okay, this is the backend, but it is in the language I know, so I can scroll and see around, and I can understand why they made these decisions because I'm, I'm reading like dark code, right? So, so yeah. Now that's a good question, right? Because I could say from my side for sure that I quote unquote learned Flutter before I actually learned. Right. Yeah. So I I cannot say that okay I can definitely use this at well now I can use it but at the time I actually don't think I could use it so much in the back end because when I built my Flutter apps at the beginning I was just looking at everything very visual and a little bit of logic here and there 
Now, a full-fledged Dart app, I don't know. I just feel like it's it could be difficult for some people, even though it's the same language. But when you program something in Flutter, you have different concerns if you program something with Dart Frog, no? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think that it's a really normal thing to start learning Dart because of Flutter. And uh, whenever you are learning Flutter, for example, you want to, I don't know, learn about all the witches that it has, try to see visual things, learning how it runs on iOS or Android or web or wherever, uh, rather than study the language language itself. When Whenever you uh, start learning Flutter, you start discovering uh, like Dart and its features and, and why it's so, so powerful. So I think that is a normal path, but but yeah, uh, in this case, I I think that Dart Frog, the, um, I think like the the, the current uh, Dart possibilities in the backend were like really intimidating, maybe because if you go for I don't know shelf, uh, you have like a lot of developer to write, and all of the code is like mainly doing things that are setting up the the server and all things. But in the case of Dart Frog. It might be like a lower barrier for the Flutter developer to start playing around, and and in other uh, cases also like if you go for I don't know GraphQL or gRPC, those are really inter- intimidating. Maybe this one is like really easy to to use and start playing around. But yeah, totally. I mean, I think like it's a normal thing that uh, people start uh, knowing more f- Dart because of Flutter, yeah, and. Whenever you are in a, I don't know, in a tutorial, the first thing is to learn the language, but normally everyone skip that and start playing around with Flutter first and then start realize, okay, Darth uh, features are like this and we have to take care of all this. Uh, yeah. Now, that's interesting. You're talking about Shelf, right? Because I'm not sure about Dart Frog, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's also based on Shelf. It must be, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the whole framework is on, built on top of Shelf. So even if you start uh, uh, entering into the, the functions uh, predefined in Darkfrog, you will see that underneath uh, there are uh, shelf functions. So if you have like a really solid experience on shelf, it, it will be like a, a higher layer on top of shelf. So maybe at this point, like if you know shelf, you will have like more customization maybe, but in this case, I think it will facilitate the, the whole process of interacting with shelf. Now you and I both know what is shelf, but I'm guessing that a lot of people don't know what is shelf because mostly, I mean, we're, we're flutter, right? When you're in flutter, you're stuck in the flutter community. Shelf is not something you usually play around with if you're in flutter. Of course. If you're a dart fanatic, yes. So maybe you can give the audience a quick uh, recap about what is shelf. Yeah, of course. So and basically, shelf um, it, it is a package that um, basically allows you to create REST APIs, or even uh, it has integration. I recently tested with WebSockets, uh, so it allows you to create uh, servers and to serve like a, an API. Right. So uh, I think. I wouldn't say that it's low-level programming. It's like uh, it might sound intimidating because you you have to manage like the server and like more abstraction uh, concepts that are more abstract, right? But but it basically allows you to create uh, to do uh, Dart in the backend. And and yeah, what we are trying to say is that Dart Frog is built on top of this package, so. 
Uh, it, uh, it is a layer of abstraction that facilitates uh, working uh, with with shelf underneath, right? And defining all, all of the routes. If you're uh, building a, a REST API, a normal REST API, or nowadays Darkfrog doesn't support WebSockets, but I think it's on the roadmap. So maybe we, we are going to see probably that uh, in the future. So so yeah, uh, that will be like basically shelf and Darkfrog, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, if you look at the documentation for Shelf itself, so Shelf, if you go to pub.dev, you can look up Shelf. Uh, Shelf also has a lot of different packages, too. Yeah. Um, they have very, it's very basic. It's not super basic, but it's pretty basic in terms of what's there. Right. Uh, looks like you can have a pipeline. You can add middlewares to it. You can add handlers to to everything. So you can kind of see these things like middleware and handlers are actually being used in Dart Frog. They, they actually use specific words. Right. Uh, and they say that they're basically inspired by Connect for Node.js or Rack for Ruby. And Rack is kind of like a standard of how you make a, or how you can use, how do you say that? It's like a standard of how you would write a Ruby uh, web application. Right. Uh, it's, I don't even know how to even say that, but basically it, if you look at the description for Shelf, this is probably the easiest way to say it. Is that it's, it, it creates an easy way that you can compose web servers or parts of web servers. So you can say a shelf compliant web server you can make, and then you can add it to your system. So say like you have your Dart Frog app, and then somebody wrote some kind of admin interface, you could just add it to your system because they're shelf compliant, something like that. Uh, that's basically how it all works. They have lots of stuff like a router, uh, static file uh, hosting, right? all this kind of stuff. Um, Basically, everything, every kind of backend system that I'm aware of for Dart uses Shelf underneath, just like ServerPod, obviously Dart Frog. That's right. Yeah, uh, there are other alternatives, not only like Dart Frog. There's also ServerPod. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, it's it's a matter of like trying like the tools and see what uh, you are more uh, comfortable with. And yeah, the the all of the concepts are really repeated across uh, every. Uh, framework. Uh, in this case, Starfrog also focuses on routes, middlewares, and yeah, also also testing. So so yeah, uh, and dependency injection and static files, uh, right? And hosting stat static files. So yeah, I th I think it's a matter of like yeah, if you are intimidated by shelf, maybe you you can test these tools uh, that are like uh, easy. Easier uh, and yep, uh, but but the concepts are, are really the same. Uh, they take they took inspiration from other tools as well. We mentioned Next.js and Express from Node.js, uh, but that's only to know how to solve the whole problem. In the case of the routes, like doing like the the whole thing that Next.js did, and yeah, in the case of uh, static files as well, hosting static files. And in the case of, uh, for example, middlewares, this is a concept that is really repeated across also our technologies, Next.js has also middlewares. And and the whole, um, what I, uh, going back to what I was saying, like it is like similar to Flutter in some way, because when you do dependency injection, it's really like, um, a similar of doing dependency injection in Flutter. I mean, if you know this concept in like being a front-end developer, you need to know this concept is really important. 
and being a developer, right? Uh, it's really important. But uh, the whole passing providers through the uh, request context in Darkfrog is really similar to using the build context in Flutter. So you can access those providers by using uh, provider.read and you, you have access to the whole logic that that provider exposed uh, in any route uh, that you want. So, so the concept of middleware in, uh, in Darkfrog is basically uh, try to have uh, a logic before or after uh, a route is executed. So you can check all uh, like important things. The most used would be, for example, authentication, right? You don't want to repeat all of the logic in all of the routes. So you put a middleware, you uh, determine if the user is authenticated or not, and then you redirect to the, the on request uh, function. And then you can like, I know, log different things uh, after the route is executed. And at the same time, you can inject different uh, providers to your routes in Darfrog. Uh, also, the, a provider is also like a middleware, right? You inject something lazily because you uh, maybe you you don't want to use it in every route. Uh, whenever you start using it, that, that will create the, the the provider and start and you can you will be able to use it. And you can inject, for example, different data sources to your endpoints, so you can retrieve like the data from. I don't know, like a database, uh, an in-memory uh, like uh, map or, or something. Um, so yeah, the the whole uh, the whole Darkfrog uh, framework it resembles a lot of the concept of uh, shelf other technologies, but also you can find similarities between like Flutter regular development. Yeah, that's uh, I don't know what to say about this, but I found it very interesting. It's basically, I could say for most things, it's very much zero configuration. And I find that to be both refreshing and nice, but at the same time, frustrating and confusing because I'm so used to everything being very explicit for most frameworks. Even if you have a generator, it does most of that for you. But like, I have questions like, well, what if I want to use a middleware sometimes for some routes, but not for all routes? I don't see a way to do that so easily. There, there maybe is. I think you maybe have to create the main dot dart file, then you can add them in. I, I, I'm not too sure. Yeah, I mean about middlewares, I, I try like to use different middleware for different routes, and you can define a a, a global middleware that applies to all routes, uh, but you can uh, define also independent middlewares to each uh, independent route, right? So if you create a middleware inside the specific route folder, you will be able to apply that logic to that specific route. Uh, I guess that, I don't know, like if you, uh, if there will be like, uh, if you will have to be really explicit on which routes do you want to use the, the global middleware and, and not, because maybe that global middleware applies to every route. But but yeah, I mean, that that's a, Whenever you start like abstracting all of the configuration, you start uh, losing that flexibility in some cases. I don't know if, if that would be a specific problem, but it could happen. Yeah. Because yeah, it's definitely something I want to do is like maybe have like a top level, try to read a cookie and then like grab the user 
And then bottom level, like I could say, if there's a user attached, then continue. Or if there's no user that's been provided, then, you know, eject them, right? I want to be able to do that at the middleware level. So then when I get down to the controller, I could just focus on what I need to do because I know that what I want is there already. But it seems like they don't have that part yet. That's what I understand. Yeah, I mean, you have the global middleware, so uh, you you'll be able to uh, to perform that logic in the middleware. Uh, what I'm not sure is like if you will be able to determine which of the endpoints you want to apply the middleware. Um, I've tested with the normal use case, and uh, yeah, but but I guess that that will be uh, simple to to have the logic in the middleware itself. Because not every uh, endpoint should be like authenticated. There are some endpoints that you you will need it, uh, even though you're not authenticated. So, authenticated. so I, I guess that that is uh, that was thought when build, building the the middleware thing. Like you will be able to see which type of request they are trying to get access, and maybe if it is a route that needs uh, that logic, we will. Uh, basically, yeah, see if the user is authenticated. In other cases, like we let them pass because it's not a protected route, right? In the case of a middleware that is like basically trying to authenticate the user. But but yeah, I know it's like that uh, answer your question. I mean, probably I think that it will be something that they thought about. Yeah, basically it seems like they're trying to go for as much as possible for it to basically like abstract an actual router, right? So right, right. it's very interesting that you use folders and files to create routes. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, how can I selectively apply middleware? How can I selectively apply? Like if I want to make a really long route, that's very complicated. I can't because I'd have to make a bunch of folders and stuff. And there's, it's, it's interesting. Like I'm, I don't know. I need to play around with it to really see it. Um, but I just don't. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. That's like the big thing is it's very interesting. Uh, it's also interesting that they don't have like, um, they don't try to add so much stuff such as like a, uh, an actual like uh database, right? If I, you know, start this, like if you've, you've probably done, I mean, basically you've probably done Ruby on Rails or something similar, right? Yeah. yeah. Where you start your project and they say, okay, you can choose which database you want, or we're going to start up with SQLite or PostgreSQL or something like that. You don't get that from Dartfog. It's basically kind of API first and very much like, okay, you want to create a route? Sure. Create a folder if you need that, or just create the file. And if you want to make dynamic uh, input, you have to use Bracket syntax. Uh, okay, this is interesting. Yeah, you you have to. Yeah, I mean, I think like the the whole routing system could be tedious in some routes, but at the same time, it's it's trying to uh, limiting yourself to like do routing in the standard way, right? Because I've I've seen like so many backends that have different endpoints that are, for example, uh, I don't know, get to lose, and that's the name of the endpoint. That is not like really rest, uh, uh, and and yeah, in this case, you you will be sure that if you create a file that is named or the folder that is named to those, like you will have all of the 
uh, implementation of the REST endpoints, like in the way they, they are meant to do, right? Uh, and you will like determine if there is a get request or post or put or, or delete or any other. But maybe in limiting the user to define the whole structure by like the, the, the file system, uh, we will be seeing like more uh, restful like approaches uh, in the correct way. And, and yeah, in, in the case of like a, a nested route, you will see, okay, I, I, I have to put this nested because uh, like this is what REST uh, tell me, right? Uh, you could potentially add like, I don't know, some linter rules to check if you're using uh, REST in the correct way. So you can limit all the folders to uh, uh, like the, yeah, the, I don't know, like, the, the the structure that REST suggests, and in the case of like dynamic routes, yeah, you you will be able to add the the brackets, so you you also have that um, uh, release set up. In that case, you will need to uh, implement the on request function, but with a, an additional parameter that will, will be a, a the dynamic ID, right? But yeah, I don't know, like I I feel like yeah, I I I got your point that maybe it's like can be really tedious, but at the same time, it can maybe it can facilitate like uh, all of the these standards that we have in uh, in REST APIs to be like really straightforward. Because if they are defining well the the folder structure, they will know that you're using REST uh, with all of the standards. Hmm. In the case of the database, I know that I mean uh, what we have to understand of this tool is that it's really recent. I, I guess that they went for an approach of like releasing what they had at that moment. Uh, we maybe in the future we are going to see like other things on top of this, but I feel like they, they were really fast on like delivering this this tool, right? So we can start getting used to and yeah, in those cases you will need to import your or use whatever database you feel comfortable with, but you are totally free to do it. It's not like they are uh, trying to uh, not being flexible in that uh, space, right? But but yeah, probably in the future they, they will add uh, th that support or we'll, we are going to start uh, seeing more uh, solutions around Darkfrog that use that uh, certain database. Uh, I was playing around and try uh, and really identify that the very first problem is that you need to set up really uh, easy. Uh, when we, when you start like making your endpoints, like your nor normal uh, crude operations, you always need to set up like the, the whole route with the dynamic uh, route and the the endpoint, the, the file that is called index, so you have access to the actual entity and endpoints. And inside that, you need like the on request method and all of the uh, if else that are determined if the the endpoint is like a get, a put, or a post or delete. So I built a, a brick uh, in Mason that really speed up the process of creating the actual route with all of the HTTP method. So it's really, um, I think like, even though they, they build the, the framework, we, we need to start seeing like how we uh, people use the framework, which database are, are going to use, where they are going to deploy it, and, and maybe we are going to see like uh, things 
solutions uh, and in this case like as i mentioned like a brick uh, built in mason to uh, speed up the, the whole process of creating routes in darkfrog right yeah let's just take a look at the um at the roadmap right like you mentioned websocket supports coming in that i'm interested to see how that would look like within dart let alone right uh dart frog uh dart api client generation which i yeah, that's basically how to consume the API rather than how to right. kick stuff out, right? Dark client. Uh, open API documentation generation, that's going to be awesome. I think that's really quite useful. Uh, testing library specifically, they, they have testing, right? Because when you generate your Dart Frog project, you get some testing out there. It does seem very bare bones and very simple. So I'd like to see what that looks like too. Uh, CLI, new command to generate new routes and middleware. Health check endpoint. That sounds interesting. I'm curious what that actually looks like and what's going to be in there. Uh, and also, this is also pretty cool too. VS Code IntelliJ support for Dart Frog. I think that would be really exciting. And then a CLI deploy command. Uh, I also thought it was a little bit strange too that in the deploy section they don't discover like a um, if you want to just deploy it to like a like a computer within your own network or EC2 etc that they only cover, at least I'm sure you could do it, but they only cover Google Cloud Run, App Runner, and DigitalOcean App Platform, which I think are all CLI Docker-based solutions, right? Where you push your code and it'll just do everything for you. Right, yeah, I think like uh, this is no coincidence. I mean, the Dart Frog, when, when you run the, the Dart uh, build command, uh, also it provides you the, a Docker file so you can deploy your container in whatever solution you like. So I think that's why they they probably started with the solutions that use Docker. But but yeah, it will be, I mean, if you know how to run a, a Docker deploy, it will be really easy to like have it in your EC2 instance. Uh, I mean, I think that the whole point of covering that one, those ones is that it's really straightforward and you can have it like instantly, like not instantly, but with little configuration, you can like deploy with a, a single command, command in the case of uh, Cloud Run. Uh, probably they started with, with those one uh, because of that. Uh, but but yeah, it should be fine if you, I mean, probably it would be like more a, a Docker deploy in that case, because as I, as I explained, like uh, this is uh, like, it provides out of the box the uh, Docker file, so so the whole uh, deployment is easier. But but yeah, the, the roadmap is looking really really great. Uh, I I'm also thinking like how would be the integration with WebSockets. Uh, I, I want to see that in action. But the whole uh, API client generation should be really easy. I mean. Um, you're limiting the, the the developer to how they create routes. So you know, like you have like total control on how they approach that. So you can create your your client really, really easy. Yeah, I was just taking a look. I, I found your your brick. Yeah, yeah I, I uploaded recently to BrickHub. I, I think I call it um, Darts Frog. Uh, rest, rest frog, rest frog. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It is basically like a really simple brick just to uh, create a a rest uh, and all of the rest endpoints for a certain route. Right? Uh, if you want to create like the to do endpoints, you don't need to create everything by hand. You you run the command and 
that will basically create the file structure and also the on request function that really separates between like the uh, if you are if the if they are hitting like the get or the put or the post or delete right and in that case uh, it redirects to the handler that that is when you have to start writing your code but if you use that rig you you will be uh, basically speeding up all of the process, not only with our product, but also like the, the thing that you have to set up as a boilerplate. And yeah, probably, I know you could extend also that brick to, because all of the, uh, if you extend that brick, for example, to use a, a provider and to like try to provide a date, data source and all that, uh, it will be really easy to start building Things. Uh, in general, all of the endpoints are really, uh, you have like really easy endpoints that are really straightforward that you need to uh, basically perform authentication and return a JSON, right? So so yeah, that could really speed up uh, certain things. The other thing I wish that Dartfrog had was like, if, if I could actually, it seems like they're really focusing only on API. I really wish they could also generate like full-on templates and everything else I wanted to do. But I guess there must be some kind of templating library within Dart community, you know? Yeah, I mean, in the Darfrog documentation, you have like examples. Uh, so you can scroll uh, basic uh, tutorials, the Hello World tutorial, the counter and to those. So, so yeah, maybe like there is a hint on how to properly use the, the framework. But, but yeah, I agree that they're like right now focusing only in, in APIs, right? They, they are uh, not uh, including WebSockets or even gRPC uh, or things like that, but but yeah, I think it's a really a good starting point, so you you don't feel like really overwhelmed by using the the tool, right? But but yeah, I mean uh, the whole point. I, what what I see more potential is like try to reuse all of the models and probably uh, yeah have that nice integration of a HTTP client that if it can be auto-generated, it will be super cool, but if not, it's it's okay. Uh, in the same project of your Flutter app. So so you can have like uh, everyone working on, on the same models, right? And you can, uh, because it's, it's there, you can use JSON serializable and all of the equitable and all of the libraries we are used to as Flutter developers. And, and yeah, this is an approach that I think is super cool because I've seen these approaches, for example, in gRPC, where you have like share uh, protobuf and and even the services, so you don't have to write your own clients or models, and uh, really speed up the whole process, right, of uh, delivering a new feature, like the backend team working on a new feature and the frontend team instantly having those changes, uh, really speed up the the whole development process of everyone. Yeah, I was just taking a look, and it looks like uh, the Darfrog package is actually taking a look at supporting HTML templating at some point. Uh, not sure when. Somebody requested back in June. Last comment, it was uh, middle September. So uh, it looks like there's something that they want to do, but they haven't thought about when they want to do that and how they want to do it. Right. I mean, yeah, um, I think, like, the tool Mason is, like... Uh available for anyone who needs to create a, a template. Uh, and yeah, it's really easy. In this case, I, I demonstrate how to use a, 
template for routes, but you could also have a, a template for, uh, yeah, so, something more complex. Um, the tools are, are out there and that's really helpful. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I learned a lot about Darfrog and it's interesting to hear about where some of the history kind of comes from. Um, I think we're just about out of time. Um, okay. Is there anything that you wanted to say before we, we head off for the night? For the well, not just for the night for the episode, <laughs> I guess I could say for me it's for the night. Uh, yeah, I mean it was really really excited to be here. I was really excited, uh, and yeah, I really enjoyed to talk about software. You know, I mean even though we we I I, I said we specialize in Flutter, I I'm really in touch with different approaches in other technologies. So yeah, I really enjoy uh, this conversation, and and yeah, I hope to to be here uh, in the future and continue talking about uh, anything else. So yeah, it was nice to meet you. Yeah, it's good to, good to meet you too. Uh, maybe we'll have you back again to talk about another topic or talk about more about Dark Frog. But uh, thanks for putting this on my radar. Like I looked at it today finally because of this episode and I'm both impressed, but uh, not, not confused, but I would say skeptical, right? Because Still of the method. Yeah, because of the way they're doing it. It's totally different for me. I, I've never... Most things I work with are very explicit in how things kind of work. This one is like there's a lot of, you know, what they call like magic, right? That's what people used to say about Rails and stuff. So magical. But this one's even more magical because it's like zero configuration. It just kind of works, which could be good for beginners. But at the same time, for somebody like me, an old an old developer like me, I, I kind of want to see how the heck is this thing working. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, yeah, probably for you that already new shelf, it, it, it's like you you need to be skeptical. But you have to imagine in the cases that developers that didn't know Shelf, they have like a, a framework that it allows you to like enter like with a lower barrier, right? And and then I think that they are going to get interesting more, interesting more in, for example, what is happening underneath. They are using Shelf, they are using uh, this concept, and maybe a. Uh, I will search for WebSockets because we don't have support yet in Darkfrog and, and all this. So yeah, I think I, it is a nice abstraction and yeah, it's worth to start playing around just to see if it can speed up certain projects, right? And, and yeah, motivate developers to like, also encourage developers to to start doing full stack Dart products, yeah. Definitely. Okay, and with that, uh, thank you for your time. And like I said, hopefully have you back again soon. Yeah, sure. Thanks to you. It was really great to be here.